We are aiming of building long-term, mission-driven company that will be everywhere. That's what we are building. This is our focus right now. Another thing that we're trying to do is have more fun this time and enjoy the ride. It's a crazy roller coaster. We believe that security of connected products is the biggest cybersecurity challenge these days. It's not easy to merge between companies, different geographies, different time zones, different understanding of product perspective. Back then, we didn't even have the word acquisition in our lexicon. I mean, I just moved to San Francisco. We were about to build a big company, although we didn't even know what it takes to build a big company back then. From GGV, this is Founder Real Talk, where we get real about the challenges that founders and startup executives face and how they've grown from tough experiences. I'm your host, Glenn Solomon, managing partner at GGV Capital. If you like what you hear, please rate and review us on the Apple Podcast app to help others find this podcast. Also, check out Founder Real Talk past episodes, including Stuart Butterfield from Slack, Nate Placharzik from Airbnb, Nichols Fane from Zendesk, and Sarah Fryer from when she was CFO at Square. Without further ado, here's today's episode. I'm very excited to bring you this episode of Founder Real Talk. We're recording from Tel Aviv, and this episode's part of our special Israeli series. I have my colleague, Oren Younger, here as our special guest host. Welcome, Oren. Thrilled to be here, Glenn. Oren and I are delighted to welcome Nati Davidi and Uri Alter, two of the co-founders of Vidu. Vidu is the first end-to-end platform for IoT security. This is their second entrepreneurial venture in cybersecurity and fifth professional collaboration. We're going to talk about that. They must really like each other. Nati and Ori previously co-founded Cyvera, which is an end-to-end protection system, and they sold successfully to Palo Alto Networks in 2014. They joined Palo Alto subsequent, Nati as VP of Product Management and Ori as VP and GM of the Israeli R&D Center. They're not traditional Israeli cybersecurity entrepreneurs in that Uri holds degrees in business and philosophy, and Nati studied law. We first met Uri and Nati in early 2019 during GGV's first visit to Israel at the introduction of our good friend Gil Gorin at 83 North, who led Vidu's Series A. And we were compelled by Nati and Uri's vision and ability to execute, and were lucky to lead Vidu's Series B financing several months later. 2019 was Vidu's first commercial year, and the company now counts as customers several dozens of the world-leading manufacturers. It's really been an incredible start to the business here at Vidu. Nati and Uri, welcome to Founder Real Talk. Thank you. Thank you. So uh, first, I wanted to take it back to your military days. Uri, you spent, I think, around 14 years in the Israeli military service working on technology, operations, intelligence. When did you meet Nati, and uh, did you foresee that the two of you would end up starting a company together? So I think it was uh, back at 1999. I think it was four years ago, but somebody told me that's 20 <laughs> or more than 20 now. So we met in the clinic in the officer's course. I remember the meeting was a good, met by chance, it was a good interaction. And we ended up working together in our first officer's position. So luck. There was a click from the beginning. I, we knew that uh, we're going to do things together because of the army. I didn't foresee that it will, we'd be working so closely for so many years afterwards. Mm, okay. Nati, how about you? You remember the decision, uh, the, the time Al- you guys met? Almost the same. Almost the same. <laughs> so actually, it was in the clinic, and I remember that I suffered from something, and uh, Ori was there, starting to ask me questions. <laughs> many questions, <laughs> tons of them. What are you going to do? Which units you are going to be allocated to? Uh, how are you going to promote yourself? Right. Starting to encourage me to do things. 
And then when I went to the unit, I find that, uh, found that he's there. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't about 20 minutes, but about uh, two and a half years of doing night shifts together, running operations together, sleeping in the same room for two and a half years. We built a very deep relationship. For me, it was clear that we were going to do something together one day. Mm. Okay. So then you did do something together one day. In uh, 2011, you founded your first security company, Cybera. Nati, can you tell us a little bit about what it was like to found a company? Was it hard? What were some of the, the initial growing pains like? Yeah. So it wasn't obvious, of course. It was the very beginning of all of this uh, explosion of advanced endpoint security uh, and maybe cybersecurity in general, back to 2010, 2011. Uh, we started by developing endpoint security and it, we weren't able to raise any money mm. because everyone told us you, we have antivirus. Why would anyone want to have an additional endpoint security? And one of the uh, things I remember very well is that we had to bootstrap, bootstrap ourselves and we provided services, forensic investigation, I other see. services. And at some point of time, we had a very hard decision to stop those services because you can't really establish company if you're not doing only that. And we had this tough decision of putting the money from our own pockets and building the company until having the first the customer and the second customer being able to raise some money. And then, of course, it, was, it became easier. Mm. Writing the checks yourself uh, really brings <laughs> clarity to the vision quickly. And <laughs> you have to test whether or not you really want to do something together. How many employees did you guys end up growing to before you, you sold the company? How big a business did you build? I think we were 40-something employees, mostly in Israel. We had uh, Nati moved over to the States, uh, so we had an office in Israel in the States. Mm. Was it difficult? Like, I mean, getting to 40 employees is, is no small feat. Like, what was that process like of scaling the business in those early days? Uh, hiring is always, that's super important and making sure that you're working with people that understand the vision and are fun to work with. So we spent a lot of effort in hiring the right people and making sure that the DNA stays the same. Mm -hmm. And I think we did a, a good job. We were very happy with the team that we worked with, which most of, I think, almost everyone stayed for the transition and then working for many years in Palo Alto Network. So I think that's a good indication. That certainly is. Are there things looking back at it that you wish you had done differently and, and some lessons learned that you took with you to your next venture, Vidu? Generally speaking? Yeah. I think Vidu is different than, than Cyvera. We It's much um, more uh, long-term play that we're playing, a horizontal, mission-driven company. So it's a bigger bite. And for sure, we're investing more in infrastructure from day one, which is not something that we thought it was as important when we started Cyvera in the Cyvera days. And I don't think that we... We could have invested so much. It's a different play doing it for the second time. Mm -hmm. So I think that's uh, one thing. Another thing that we're trying to do is have more fun this time mm. and enjoy the ride. It's a crazy roller coaster. Are there things you're doing, like when you say have more fun, is it the two of you guys have more fun or the, the it's the company? No, yeah. I, think, I think that the general atmosphere. What do you guys do to ensure people are having a good time? Because IoT security doesn't, on its surface, sound like a, a fun thing to go do. <laughs> so we think it is. <laughs> Great. Uh, I think that it's more of a, of a state of mind, is knowing when you have to work and knowing when you can pause and share uh, more of the dilemmas with the, with the team, get people more involved and spend more time together, understanding that that's super important for both for the business and for 
everybody that's in the business to enjoy the ride. We were just at your office for your Monday and Wednesday evening pizza. Yeah. Pizza. Mostly hummus. We're trying to. It was it was pizza, but it was actually a hummus party. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So, Only in Israel. Yeah. So we have pizza. We have uh, vidu talks where some employees are sharing things either related to vidu or somebody shared their thoughts from his last trip that he did abroad. So. At the end of the day, we're spending most of our hours at the office, so making sure that we're enjoying that. Mm. We also saw some uh, dismembered robots the first time we met in your office. Yeah, that, that's every day. <laughs> cool. So you guys ended up selling Severa to Palo Networks for over $200 million. Nati, why did you decide to sell that time? You know, back then, we didn't even have the word acquisition in our lexicon. I mean, I just moved to San Francisco. We were about to build a big company, although we didn't even know what it takes to build a big company back then. And we understood that we need to work with the giants in order to accelerate the uh, time to market for our own products, uh, becoming part of uh, something bigger. And we indeed worked with many of those uh, giants. Palo Alto Networks was one of them. And uh, relatively quickly, they said uh, collaboration is, is nice, but let's do something more strategic. Let's work, to get, work, work together. It was a surprise. That's not something we, we even aimed at, but we understood, I mean, after spending some time with them working on project, having the first mutual customers, that there is a great cultural fit and that with the amazing sales force and uh, product-driven orientation of Palo Alto Networks, we'll probably see our products getting to the market much, much faster. Mm. And for us, this is the main reason. I mean, being able to make it happen, regardless of the monetary amazing outcome of this uh, acquisition, we understood that this is the right thing to do. Now, you know, I can look around and see other companies such as uh, Silence and Sentinel-1 that started a bit uh, late, uh, later than us and now are becoming a huge company. And yet we do not regret because we learned a lot. We now have the tools and the equipment to know how to build a very big company. And Ori, were you in agreement to sell at that point in time? So between us, we thought that... Um It's very interesting, and that's why we did it. The, the, as Nati said, we didn't decide to sell. We decided to build, um, collaborate, and, and it, it was an opportunity. And the decision wasn't to sell the company. It was We had a board meeting where the, the outcome was we are either going to... We're, we want to explore the acquisition by Palo Alto Networks, but if that doesn't work, we're not going to sell to the highest bidder or something like that. It's either selling to Palo Alto Networks and becoming a part of the, the vision that they had on building the first real security platform, or continuing as an independent company. These were the two tracks. We didn't, didn't look for the highest bidder or something like that. It was either Palo Alto Networks or continue with our own path, which I think is unique from what I understand, but uh, that's what we felt is right. And in looking back, we're very happy with the decision. Another outcome, by the way, is the amazing school that we had for three more years with the Palo Alto Network executive team, mm. which are amazing. We're one of the yeah. best teams probably worldwide. Could you actually tell us about this time? What were some of the challenges that you were facing working in such a big organization, Nati? Yeah, so it's a huge difference building initial product and proving technology and driving this product into the market in, in scale. And uh, for us, it was the first time that we learned how to do it. And having someone that uh, already did it with another innovative product is something that could uh, shorten the time frame for learning it. Clearly, it's not easy. It's not easy to merge between companies, different geographies, different time zones, different understanding of uh, product perspective because they have a much wider and higher level of product understanding. And we had, of course, to uh, fit ourselves into those directions and work together with the management there to make it happen. 
just want to add on, on top of that, it was also the first acquisition by Palo Alto Networks and the first time they had a product in R&D center outside of HQ in, in the Bay Area. So it was first for them. It was uh, the first time we did it. And it was very important for everyone to make sure that on the one hand, we're becoming a part of Palo Alto Networks, but on the other hand, there's nobody feels that they're managed by a company 16 hours. It, it wasn't even a direct flight. For, so 24 hours flight mm -hmm. from where we are. And... It was clear from day one, there was a lot of investment by the management from Palo Alto Networks, making sure that the transition goes well. And it was uh, another huge challenge that I think was successful. Was it difficult to get the attention of the US team while based in Israel? From what we know, it, it's usually a huge challenge. It was from day one marked as, as a goal that we have to make sure that that's not the case. We had a, actually a detailed plan of visits from Man HQ came over. The CEO at that time, Mark McLaughlin, was, came, I think, three times a year, maybe maybe even more than that. And uh, the CTO and founder, Nirtsu, came several times and other members of the management. We sent people over. So it was relatively fast where we merged the DNAs and it, it came natural. So I think understanding the importance of that and investing where needed, it can be done successfully. And I think looking back, it, it, it was done successful this time. There's a lot of stories of unsuccessful technology acquisitions. It sounds like one of the keys here was that you guys got the commitment of senior management at Palo Alto to really invest the time and energy in integrating you guys. And, and then they delivered on that commitment. Would you say that that was critical? I, I wouldn't, and I, and I think it's, it wasn't a commitment, it was, it was a mutual goal. It wasn't that, that they, we asked and they agreed. We both understood from day one that if we want this to be successful and to have traps, the, the, our solution integrated there, and being a real part of the platform, this was a must. And so the interests were aligned, the plans were aligned. So it wasn't one-sided, uh, but really mutual. And you say you have no regrets about having made the deal, even though you know some of the companies in the endpoint protection space that got started after you have gone on to even more illustrious outcomes. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Like we do hear from a lot of entrepreneurs who sell their companies later on, they do have regrets. What do you think about the deal itself leads you to be satisfied with it? Was that it, you feel like Palo Alto turned out to be the, a good home for the company? You know, I find it interesting that you didn't try to sell the business. It just, they came and bought it. You didn't even talk to anybody else. Was that, that a part of it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, Palo Alto Networks was a great home. They always were open to hear our thoughts and our feedback. We were always been open to hear their thoughts. There were clearly changes along the way that uh, we mutually adopted to make things happen because it was very important for everyone to make it successful. And uh, again, clearly from a commercial perspective, it was a very good exit, very quick exit. And uh, we were always focused on making this happen even after the exit. I mean, we didn't stop for a moment mm -hmm. to even... Celebrate it. I mean, we did have a very quick celebration, but it was about focusing on making it happen. And we always got the support. And a lot of resources and budget was invested by Palo Alto Networks on this to make it happen. And I think that one of the evidence is the outcome these days. And of course, they grew this business to become even bigger with more acquisitions here in Israel. Now they have a very big R&D center that is very successful, at least in our point of view. The fact that you guys, you know, celebrated just for a nanosecond and then got back to work pays dividends. And I'll tell you how, you know, we have lots of connections at Palo Alto Networks. And when we were evaluating investing in your Series B, we went and talked to our friends at Palo Alto and they they love you guys and are huge supporters of you. And I think, you know, that matters a lot to us. 
those kinds of references are critical. And so you may not have known it at the time, but working so hard and really trying to grow Saivera within Palo Alto actually was building your reputation amongst people that, you know, really helped direct capital in, in Silicon Valley. So you guys were crazy enough then to go start another company together, Vidu. You really love punishment. <laughs> so what led, or what, you know, what was in, in your mind? Like, you know, you've had a financial success. Why start another company? It felt right. We were working for a long time now and we had a lot of discussions and thoughts of whether or not we want to do that. And it just felt right to build something new. We feel that we did something great with, uh, with Saivera and had thought that we have the motivation and now the experience to have another try at uh, something even bigger. So it was almost obvious that, that that's the right thing to do for us. Did you ever consider founding a company with someone other than Nati or was it, was it clear you guys should so be working together? So for me, it was clear that it's either that or nothing, or nothing else. And we were very fortunate to have uh, our third founder, Asaf Karas, that joined us at this ride. I feel fortunate to be a part of these, the group of three. Okay, and Nati, how about for you? Was it obvious you were going to start another company? Was it obvious you'd do it with Uri? I really wanted to start another company. It was very much obvious that I'll do it with Uri. It, it's a lot of a matter of trust and knowing each other. You know, even if you're going to a new space, something you, that you don't bring any experience with, having the right team working with you that you already know each other and you know the balances and you know how to contradict each other is a huge asset. So it was clear to me that we we're going to do it mm. together. Yeah, for us... You know, we've had a guy named Elad Gill on the show in the past, and Elad is, is really well known as a uh, kind of a guru for founders and how to grow their companies. And he says, always says, founders have three jobs. One, set strategy for the company. Two, never run out of money. And three, don't fight with your co-founders. Mm-hmm. And the, the fighting with your co-founders, like that happens a lot and it mm-hmm. ruins companies. And so for us, knowing that you guys have already been through the war together and survived, was also another, you know, strong indicator that this was the right right investment for us. I would uh, maybe rephrase. I think it's great to fight, but getting out of the fight is <laughs> is what's important. So it's sort of like marriage in a lot of aspects and so I feel that that uh understanding when it's okay to fight and how to fight and how to get out of the fight between us three actually the three founders is is super important and I think that I feel that that's something that we're relatively good at uh in getting out of the fights because it's a roller coaster that's a lot of friction, a lot of things that are happening not as we planned. And getting up from the challenges, I think that's that's a big thing that you have to deal with on a daily basis. All right. So we got we have Oren, we have one thing that we know that's different about Israeli companies versus US companies is Israeli founders very comfortable with conflict <laughs> with each other and they can still get through it. That's actually a really healthy thing. Israelis never fight. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> So Nati, what, what excited about the, the opportunity of starting about Vidu? Could you tell us a little bit about the company? Sure. So to start with, uh, Vidu means to make sure in Hebrew. It also has many other meanings in other languages. But anyhow, we believe that uh, security of connected products is the biggest cybersecurity challenge these days. I mean, there are many solutions for IT security. It's saturated. All of the solutions are good enough, I would say. It's very hard to differentiate yourself and find something which is really different. So we chose to go to the biggest challenge of solving this specific issue of connected devices security. It's hard. This is a huge market, fragmented market, different verticals, different different kind of products and protocols and purposes for such products. 
And that's exactly why we chose it. We wanted to be the first player that pioneering this, the first player that is strong enough and knowledgeable enough to build a way to scale security for this kind of devices. Now, we understood very quickly that you cannot really achieve this only by working with the environment that uses these devices, meaning providing security for the enterprise that uses these devices, because there are some things that you can do through network security solution, but not everything. You cannot detect and prevent attacks on these devices. And therefore, we understood that we need to protect the devices themselves, and we have to work with the vendors the OEMs that make these devices. Someone has to do that because they do not do that. They, are, they used to have reasons why not to. Now they do not have reasons why not to do that. And we are there to help them by developing platforms that automate the security implementation into their devices. So Vito is solving a major problem and your product offering is in high demand globally. Why OEMs and software giants worldwide are so anxious to secure their devices now and which verticals are catching up? The fastest. So I, I think that, that there's a growing understanding that uh, product manufacturers are now responsible to, for the level of security of the devices that they are releasing. It wasn't the case, as Nati said, a few years ago. But there's a phenomenon of those devices becoming more connected and they're getting attacked. There's a, we see a shift of focus from attacking IT into these connected devices where the ROI of an attack is higher. The cost of attacking those devices because it's low level of security is lower and the gain is high. You can both get access to data or persistency on a network, but you can also harm the day-to-day -day work of any kind of business. If you are shutting down the HVAC system in a hospital, so you physically can't stay there or locking down a hotel, so... There's also a physical aspect which makes the problem even more severe. It's not a matter of only harming data. There's a real threat of people's life. It's with the automotive and healthcare, it's clear. But think about every connected device surrounding us and what happens if it just stops or does something that it wasn't supposed to do. So I think that's one driver. We see a growing demand by the end users of those devices, which are now telling their vendors, we just bought a product which should be in high quality. That's why we paid five times more than the knockoff that you said that has no quality and we demand security. That's a part of what we want. And if that's not the case, they demand to get answers. And adding to that, the fact, as Nati said, that up until now, it wasn't in, in product device manufacturers, DNA security wasn't a part of what they did. That makes the problem even, even more complicated. And that's where we are to help. I would add to that on one additional factor, which is the regulation and standardization. They are kicking in, finally. Mm. It took some time. There are more than 70, 70 standards around IoT security and connected devices security. And finally, we see them uh, being enforced now in a few geographies. So regulators care and customers care. Any end consumer, you see people scare that is leading into this tailwind of securing devices? I, th I think that the end user understand today that they're vulnerable if the devices that they buy and implement aren't in the level of security they should have got. So we think that, that there's now a clear understanding that everybody's liable, both the device manufacturer, the integrator, and the end user. There's no excuse of saying, oh, I just got it this way, or it's complex. And you can't really justify why you tested and guard the IT infrastructure or the computers that you bought, but you just added 1,500 security cameras to a business without even checking what's the level of security or making sure that it's meeting the right level of security or 
just uh, so so many things that you have to do. It wasn't the case before. It is clear now. So everybody's liable, and security is a must today. So everybody's now, I think, in a place where they understand that it has to kick in. It's complex to do that. It's not something that's in the DNA, as I said, of the manufacturers. These are not the questions that CISOs usually ask themselves up until recently. And that's why we're here to help. Any verticals that you've seen that are responding faster than others? So clearly the space of uh, automation, OT and IIoT is there. There is awareness. There is budget. They are looking for solutions, both the users and the manufacturers. They're looking to automate things. They're looking to make things more scalable in their uh, development environments. So there we are working very strong. The medical devices, clearly in the healthcare uh, uh, space, uh, networking, meaning networking equipment and telcos and carriers mm. are very much into finding a way to add this middleware of security to their infrastructure and products. Automotive, clearly. We are seeing more and more players coming in looking for solutions. I mean, they didn't use to use external players for security, and now they are right. very much into such solutions. And there is, of course, additional uh, uh, verticals such as safety and security and uh, automation for buildings that is also there, but maybe, maybe it's less clear there. Got it. Sounds like a lot of early adoption. So given that this is the second venture-backed startup you guys have founded, Curious, like what you're doing differently this time. Uh, what are some of the, the the mistakes you made the first time that now you're you're trying to do differently and and not make those same mistakes again? One of one of the most clear things for us is that uh, we used. I mean, the previous venture we used to focus on the right and now the things you need to deliver immediately mm. to your customers, uh, to your partners, to prove your existence. And now it's more about building the right infrastructure for growth. So we're doing it in any aspect, from product and technology aspect, from business aspect, from marketing aspect, building the infrastructure and the systems to enable growth, to enable to enable it while still being dynamic and flexible to shift a bit if we need to fine-tune our offering and our technology. And that's exactly what we are doing from day one. So have you hired more senior executives earlier in Tavidu than you did at Cybera? Yeah, correct. So we are building, we, we built a dream team. Mm-hmm. that helps us take decision. It's not uh, like before that mostly Uri and me took that, that such decisions. It helps us also to focus more on the strategic decision and strategic discussions and the long-term relationship with the biggest accounts and customers and partners rather than dealing with the specific features every day and the small thing that you need to decide uh, on the spot. And that's very helpful for the company. That allows us to work in two avenues. One is the short-term long-term fruits and the other is the long-term strategic uh, uh, things that we are doing together. And again, that's thanks to the very successful executive team that we hired. And, you know, as you guys suggested, this is a, this is a new market, right? These are customers that don't have big budgets to spend. They should and they will, but not right now, right? So it's a new market. What kind of challenges does that create for you guys? And how are you trying to overcome the fact that you're, you're kind of in a new market? So I think there's, there's a growing understanding that something needs to be done. We do have customers who identify that, have a teams for that, and growing and the, the budget exists. And with others, we get uh, a feedback of uh, of basically um, asking us for help to understand how to build the security team that's relevant for growth for them. So, so they're looking to build something that's scalable from their point of view. It doesn't make sense to to build something that can cover only a fraction of, of the devices that they have. 
And I think that our business model, which allows us to have a very successful initial project with no real overheads from the customer side, allows us to show success and then grow. So the land of expand model that we started with helps us especially here where there doesn't have to be a strategic decision of uh, this is how the way that the customer works before mm-hmm. implementing us, but try us, make sure that we can create value and together we help them understand how to scale up the adding security to the, those devices with us. Got it. So, so you've clearly had a lot of success with the land part. This year is going to be a lot about expand while you're continuing to land new customers. But exciting times ahead, I think, for Vidu and, and would agree that like in, in 2019, you did a great job helping educate all these players in the various verticals you mentioned and have had an incredible amount of success landing new logos. So we're super excited about that. Nati, are your goals any different this time? You already had a sizable exit. What size of outcome are you shooting for in, in Vidu? And did you guys discuss it? Yeah, that's prior. a tr- tricky question. <laughs> we never did, and we never will discuss specific numbers for acquisition. I think it's much more about the impact that we are looking for. If we will end up working with 90% of the biggest manufacturers worldwide and get to a situation in which our solution is embedded into their product and allow further security for enterprise, and on top of that, add additional security offering, that would be a great win for us. It would be like being everywhere on any kind of device. That's what we aimed with Severa on endpoint on organization. Mm-hmm. And I want to do it for IoT. And I really, truly believe that we can do it and we will do it. I think we can do it in the course of two or three years for a major part of the market because we are really pioneering this. And maybe it will create opportunities for IPOs, it will create opportunities for huge exits. We don't know. We don't aim at any of these directions right now. We are aiming of building long-term mission-driven company that will be everywhere. That's what we're building. This is our focus right now. So we're here in Tel Aviv, Vito's birthplace and HQ, but you also have offices in the US and Europe. Ori, how have you maintained your mission and company culture with a growing team spread across different continents? And what have you done in the way of team building? Uh, first of all, we have the new Japanese office established this week. Congrats. So, yeah. Out of the press, exactly. we have Japan now. So I think what we learned, I think we, we learned it... Uh, back at the Severa days and for sure in the Palo Alto Networks days, it's super important that everybody that's working in the company as part of the company feels like there's one branch or as close as possible to one branch. So if we if there's somebody at the other side of the world that uh, comes to the office bummed because they had a bad discussion with the customer, it has to be that people in the other offices understand this, especially on the R&D and product group. So what we're trying to do is, first of all, make sure that we're bringing, to start with bringing people with the same DNA and people that basically would, you would like to go out for a beer and have beer together. That's mm-hmm. like a very good start. And we're spending, I think, a lot in connecting with, between the, the teams. So if a new um, sales guy is joining, we're making sure that he's, he talks to a broad group of, uh, of uh, people in Tel Aviv and meeting the, his peers in different geos, bringing them over here or flying over to meet them. So it's a very uh, important investment that I think if you identify it as a key success uh, factor and invest accordingly, I think that's the main thing that has to be done. So you guys, obviously, you know, you're building your company here in, in Tel Aviv in Israel, but you've worked for Palo Alto, as we've talked about, one of the great Silicon Valley companies. And, you know, at GGV, we are investing more and more in Israel. We think it's a really exciting market, but curious to get your take 
on the differences between building a company here versus your experiences in Silicon Valley? What do you think is unique about Israel and why is it as a place been so successful in churning out great startups? Two things. First of all, I think that the army is a very good place for people to get to know each other. I think both Asaf, Nati and I met each other in the army. So I think it's a, it's a good place to, for friction and to get to know who you're working with. Mm-hmm. And it creates a lot of very strong bonding. So I think looking at a lot of the startups that I know, Israeli startups, so the team met in the army. So I think that that's one thing. And I think that basically Israelis are less afraid of uh, friction and making mistakes. And I, th- I think that helps a lot. Adding to that, I think that the fact that a lot of people that are coming out of the army or, or after the army doing some positions uh, in the market, but got relatively a lot of responsibilities at a young age, I think that's adding an important ingredient mm. to the ability to be an entrepreneur. So a lot of well-trained people coming out of military and uh, culturally a risk-taking or, or not risk-fearing society as well. But it's a small, like there's no end market effectively in Israel, right? Or very, very modest sized one. So what we see is a lot of companies, you know, at some point face the challenge of whether or not a founder or leader will move to a new geography, sometimes the US. Nati, it sounds like you did that with Cyvera. Will one of you guys move to the US here with Vidu or or to another geography? And how do you think about that? Yeah, so... uh... We do is a bit different in the sense that uh, it doesn't focus on specific geo. It's relevant to any location that creates devices, that has manufacturers there that build uh, maybe global players or local players that build uh, connected devices. We do explore opportunities around it to understand what would be the right uh, geography to move to. Mm-hmm. And there is also clearly the question of who is the right person to move there. I enjoyed very much the experience last time that I moved to San Francisco. It's It really was, uh, I would say, a life-changing event for me, regardless of the acquisition of uh, Cyvera, because you see how fast things are going there in terms of business development, because you are exposed to uh, recent trends and you know where to aim and what to aim at. And I think that in this sense, we will need to do this again. On the other hand, as you mentioned, uh, we put an emphasis on uh, building a very strong executive team from the very beginning. We already have in the Bay Area a very strong team there. Now it's a matter of decisions of ourselves where where one of us should move and when. Got it. Okay. So now you two are on the hot seat. We're up to our speed round. Uh, So you're almost done, but it's going to get harder. We're going to ask a couple questions. Just say the first thing that comes, comes to mind. Ori. Tell us about your favorite book or article or movie or, or TV show that you watch that you recommend for other founders. There's an article, I can't remember its name, but it's in Harvard Business Review talking about disruptive innovation hmm. from the past five years. So disruptive innovation, Harvard Business Review will be the first. I think it's super interesting. Nati, the best piece of advice you've ever received. Think big, but act only after you validate. I mean, we're seeing it happening a lot with companies starting to build huge, team, huge teams and huge technologies before they validated that they can really do that. So We call that, don't get too far out over your ski tips. <laughs> For either one of you, a favorite meeting spot in Tel Aviv that we should come to next time we're here? The beach. Oh, beach is nice. Yeah. Where do the sort of founders and VCs tend to meet up? Everywhere in Tel Aviv, actually. I'm going where where, where Uri is going, so it's easy. <laughs> and okay. I'm following Nati, so we usually <laughs> stroll around just looking for a place. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Last question, but the most important one, falafel or shawarma, and where's the best place to get it? Uh, hummus is the answer for me. <laughs> so uh, I stopped eating meat five years ago, but I love 
meat. So uh, if I would have eaten meat, so it would be uh, shawarma, but now it's falafel. <laughs> and uh, there's dozens of good places to eat both. There was a place just across our first office in Saivera. So it's called Super Falafel on Allenby Street. It's a tiny, Super tiny shop. Yeah. yeah. And if you go there, say that uh, Nati Nuri sent you. You'll get a ah, free drink. Special? Uh, oh, that's maybe. a founder Real Talk special right there. <laughs> yeah, everyone always says their favorite falafel place is really small. I think the smaller the place, the better the, the falafel. Better of course. Well, guys, we hope that Avidu is not a small company. It becomes a very large company, and the early early uh, signs are showing very positive for you guys. We're super excited to be working with you, and we're also very, very appreciative that you spend time here on Founder Real Talk today. Thanks for joining us. It was a great episode. You've been listening to Founder Real Talk. If you like what you heard, please rate and review us on the Apple Podcast app to help others find this podcast. If you have any questions you'd like us to ask our guests or founders you'd like to hear on this podcast, feel free to email us at founderrealtalk at ggvc.com. We're produced by Ted Carstensen and his team at HeavyBit. We want to thank Ted for his support. Our theme song is by Grapes. GGV Capital is a global venture capital firm that invests in local founders. As a multi-stage, sector-focused firm, GGV focuses on seed to growth across consumer, social and internet, enterprise cloud, and frontier tech. The firm was founded in 2000 and manages $6.2 billion in capital across 13 funds. Past and present portfolio companies include the likes of Affirm, Airbnb, Alibaba, Didi, Grab, Hellobike, HashiCorp, House, Keep, Namely, New, Opendoor, Peloton, Poshmark, Slack, Square, Wish, and many more. The firm has offices in Beijing, San Francisco, Shanghai, and Silicon Valley. Learn more at ggvc.com or follow us on Twitter at, at GGV Capital or GGV Capital on WeChat.